0: You are listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast presented by NCQA. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Inside Healthcare. I'm your host, Dave Smolar, Senior Multimedia Specialist here at NCQA. NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance, exists to improve healthcare in America. We want to make healthcare better for everyone. We set expectations of healthcare organizations, measure their performance, and highlight those that do well. And we use science to help us build better health and better choices for all Americans. If you're a fan of this podcast or you have feedback for us, write to us at communications at ncqa.org and mention Inside Healthcare in the subject line. We look forward to hearing from you. Now, on this episode of Inside Healthcare, we revisit my interview with a leader in healthcare digitalization. As you know, the exchange of electronic health records, EHRs, has historically been hampered by the myriad software platforms used by hospitals and clinicians. And in short, when you go from one doctor to the next, your health records usually don't always go with you. So the magic word here is interoperability getting different health systems to talk to each other. And I mean software systems. So if and when interoperability is perfected in the United States, many digitalization issues will be solved. Today's guest is helping to get that done. Recorded live at NCQA's inaugural Health Innovation Summit in November 2022, you've heard some of his interview in our limited series, A View from the Summit. Well, coming up now, the full interview with Dr. Don Rucker. Dr. Don Rucker is Chief Strategy Officer now at OneUp Health. He earned degrees from Harvard, from Stanford, and the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine, and he's practiced emergency medicine for 30 years. But he's best known recently for serving as the National Coordinator at ONC. That's the Office of National Coordinator for Health Information Technology, where he led development of the ONC's 21st Century Cures Act interoperability rules. Dr. Rucker's presentation at our Health Innovation Summit was called Evolving Measures from Paper to Fully Executable Software Using Digital Quality Measures and FIRE. Now, hold on, FIRE is F H I R. That's fast healthcare interoperability resources, Fire are digital standards established by Health Level 7 for the exchange of EHR information. And in other words, Fire holds the key for interoperability. So as you'll hear in our interview, digital health can and should be part of our already fully digitalized world. Talk to me about the idea of data changing the world. When When I say something like that, what do you think of?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's really a reflection of what we see in our everyday lives, is and and maybe the gap between what we see in the rest of our lives and what's happening in healthcare. So in the rest of our lives, we can buy stuff online, get it shipped and delivered, often the same day. We're doing all of our travel. Um, when I came here this morning, um, I was able to see. Um, how long would it take me at the bus stop? So I did public transportation to get here, so I could see at my bus stop how long it was going to take me to uh, wait for the bus. All right, I mean we just have very digital lives, and you know I could see what the weather was from you know weather satellites translated by the hour. We don't have any of that insight or transparency either into our personal health care in general or our bodies or the healthcare system, which of course is you know where NCQA comes in. And so the the obvious question that has been repetitively asked over the last 15, 20 years um, at the federal level is starting with electronic medical records, with uh, the meaningful use program with the Cures Act is how do we get healthcare into this much more digital world?
0: How do we take care? How do we how do we take advantage of digital services and capabilities and somehow integrate them into healthcare services yeah. and delivery? Yeah,
1: exactly. Right. So what what is you know what are the tools out there, what are the tools we have to build, how do we build them, to what purpose. Um, Of course, it being the American healthcare system, payment follows close behind or in front more accurately. So I think we also have to do the the, the, uh, thinking on how do we get this incentivized since we don't really have a market economy. In healthcare, we really have third-party payments, right? In parts where the market economy is, people demand this, and you wouldn't be in business, right? You wouldn't be in business today as an airline if you couldn't do digital ticketing, right? You wouldn't be in business as Spotify if you couldn't provide digital music. <laughs> Some would obviously, you know, you, but you wouldn't even be something classic like a bank if you didn't have ATMs in healthcare We don't have that uh, situation. So this week, we're here at
0: the Health Innovation Summit for NCQA. Uh, NCQA has quality in its name. Uh, The catchphrase for this week is, this is quality. Uh, And it's a shade of gray for different people when they define one term. If you use it too many times, it ends up sort of losing its, its meaning. But if you could give me a definition to whatever extent you want, a definition for the word quality, a definition for the term value, uh, how they might be associated, and, and talk about how data, how digital service um, can be integrated in improving quality, improving uh, value in healthcare.
1: Yeah. So, uh, I'm maybe a frustrated economist at heart, um, and in, in market economics and market economies, this question has been answered precisely and mathematically. No ifs, ands, or buts. It's been answered, and if you can disprove this in any way, shape, manner, or form, you win a Nobel Prize in economics. That answer has been known for almost 200 years, and it's efficiency. Equity is a bit of a different thing, but efficiency comes when we have the marginal utility of the consumer is equal via a market clearing price to the marginal cost of the producer. So what that means is at that efficient frontier consumers and producers are in equilibrium. So because price allocates these things. The only other way in the history of the world to allocate things is either by a queue or a market price. And healthcare We do it with all kinds of cues, literally hundreds if not thousands of cues, whether it's the Medicare, the various Medicare cues, whether it is the specialty guilds, whether it's the availability of hospitals, whether in NHS it's the wait list for procedures. But those are the only two ways to ever allocate. So if you have that insight, what quality measurement really Sort of starting circa roughly 2000 um, on scale is the, an attempt to model the value to the consumer, right? So the marginal utility to the consumer without actually having a price, right? So it's like a little bit of black magic. We're going to sort of impute what the consumer would want if they were as smart as we were. Now, skip the paternalism. Right? But that, you know, it's worth thinking about as we talk about equity and other things and people's preferences. So what you have is it is a, a set of measurements where we're measuring things that we believe would be of value to um, patients, right? And of course, some of it is obvious. Live longer, live healthier, you know, all of those things are sort of obvious. But again, devil in the details. So that's, I think, what quality is. Value is then when we, and that's what quality measurement has been for the last 20 years, right? They're quality measures. And NCQA obviously has been a huge pioneer in refining, you know, discovering these things, bringing these things to fruition, measuring these things in a truly comparable way. What value is quality plus how much does it cost, right? Quality on some level is abstract. Yeah, there's a Rolls-Royce has presumably high quality, but that doesn't mean anything to me because I can't afford a Rolls-Royce, right? And often the American healthcare system is Rolls-Royce. Um, you know, It just is. So with value, we have the opportunity to put in how much are we paying for this What's interesting about the work that NCQA is now exploring with the Digital Quality Project using fire data is, for the first time ever, we're going to computationally elegantly link quality measurements, so clinical fire performance with administrative or claims data and economic fire performance. So you can take clinical measures, Combine them with the explanation of benefit, fire resource, and actually start computing on value. Very exciting.
0: It's honestly, it's it's hard to talk about these things. For me, it's it's hard to talk about it from an economic standpoint because the first thing I think of is consumerism, and then I think of you know supply and demand, and that uh, the privatization of healthcare leads to companies setting their own bottom line, but then being able to charge whatever they want, and I, we are not talking about that. We're not talking from that standpoint. We are talking from the very beginning, foundation, fundamentally, that we want healthcare to be as altruistic as possible, efficient, effective, and altruistic from its nature. So that we're, we do have to talk about costs, and we have to talk about uh, costs of R and D as well, uh, you know, as the backup. So, yeah. but, um, so uh, let me let me ask you. Um, In terms of uh, data and interoperability, uh, talk about data and interoperability on the clinical, the institutional side. Um, What's been going on the last couple of years? How have things developed and improved uh, in terms of interoperability, say, between doctor's offices, hospitals, uh, and and those kinds of institutions?
1: Yeah. um, I I think the interoperability story has been finally starting to be a pretty good story so historically right part of it is you need to have something computerized before you can quote unquote interoperate I don't know if interoperate is actually a word but
0: let's
1: (laughs) pretend it's a word Um, so first you have to have something computerized electronically available Um, and we are now at that state with electronic medical records uh... you know we started with Lab tests—they were probably the very first clinical thing to be computerized because in the 80s, automated clinical analyzers, so chem panels or or CBCs with Coulter counters, became um, computerized because they were, um, you know, they were innately digitized in the generation of the result. In the 90s, imaging became computerized as CAT scanners and MRIs became, well, they were always digital. They don't exist outside of digital. But the files were so large, you couldn't print them out on film. Right? So the CAT scanner generates the image electronically, and then in the early 90s, we'd print it out on film. And then the cost of film. And the cost of film, right. So that would be like using fax to communicate in healthcare, which, of course, we're good at. (laughs) Arguably. Um, So now, with the fire data standard, you can really start computing on the core clinical things. And what's important about that is, um, I mean, there are a number of things that are important about it. Um, first of all, there is a data standard so you can communicate. And the data standard is rich enough and elegant enough to actually represent clinical care in, a, in an intelligent, responsive, representative type of way. That's huge. It has combined with, you know, the ubiquitous nature of the internet, modern RESTful, fire APIs that we actually have ways of moving that data around, and then the federal government, you know, through ONC and and CMS rulemaking, has required in the U.S. that those electronic medical records. Um, allow that data to be released from the capture of the EMR so that the rest of the economy, app vendors, analytics firms, payers, can look at that data and um, provide new, better, different services. So I want to talk about,
0: uh, when we talk about care at home, hospital at home, remote uh, remote digitalization, uh, remote care, uh, remote monitoring, diabetic remote monitoring. Um, There's so many different parts of of that discussion. But again, it all comes down to efficient data transfer, accurate data transfer, um, accurate algorithmic data transfer, and some kind of enterprise level software that's helping to run everything on the back end that you can trust, that's secure, but also you're able to share the data at the same time Uh, There's contradictions in terms all the way along the way. But where do you start? And where are things now as far as hospital at home?
1: Yeah. I actually, um, and maybe as a Medicare beneficiary, I'm trying to do whatever I can to avoid hospital either at home or away from home. Um, But that's just me. But I think most people share that preference, (laughs) last I checked, very, very, very few people want to be in the the hospital. Yeah, Very (laughs) few people want to be in the hospital. I think what's exciting and interesting is with cloud platforms, which really are combining data, combining the compute function, combining the APIs and the connectivity, we can now rethink the site of service of health care historically when you look at health care it's been for most people office visits every six months once a year you go to the, you know maybe they give you a blood pressure medicine maybe they give you a statin for your cholesterol if you have type 2 diabetes they'll give you something um we t- l- take a look at those three big illnesses so lipids hypertension and diabetes, which are really all part of metabolic syndrome. That's what kills Americans, right? That's, that's the number one killer in the US. And we've managed it all in the most episodic of ways. And right, you have a visit, you get a pill, all of each of those things has potential for much richer diagnostics. And much more continuous monitoring over time, and the ability to move our care for those chronic illnesses from the office to, you know, our smartphone and devices that we could have at home, um, is utterly going to be transformative. And you're seeing that, you know, you saw it first with things like pacemakers that did lots of monitoring, continuous glucose monitors. You know, my blood pressure cuff is digital enabled. I can download it to the smartphone. Um, That whole world is changing. And so when we look at healthcare, we can move all of this to much earlier in the disease and prevent, you know, the hospital, whether it's at home or at the hospital.
0: So I want to ask you about uh, five years, 10 years down the road. Uh, and to say it in, in the positive way again, yeah. don't, don't tell me what's it going to be like. I want to say, what do you want the outcomes to be in, say, 10 years from now, um, just in terms of the healthcare journey that a patient might take, the patient experience, which is what you were just talking. You're saying, I don't want it to be episodic that it feels like one appointment after the other. I want it to feel like it's a journey and there's a flow to it and people see the outcome that they're being asked. What do you want your life to be like at the end of this? And then how do we work towards that? So in terms of um, enabling and integrating digital solutions into healthcare, what do you want the outcomes to look like for a patient uh, 10 years from now? And what are some steps that we could be taking in the next couple of years to get there?
1: Yeah, I I mean, (coughs) This won't be, it won't be magic. I think what we would like, all, is to not have illness, right? To go about or to have a, a normal, healthy life. Now, that's, you know, by dint of fate, not in the cards for everyone. But for most of us, there's at least that potential to have that. And so you're trying to figure out what can I prevent? What can I treat before it becomes symptomatic? Those are the things... And are there new tools to allow me to do that? In in healthcare today, we historically we haven't really had the tools. We haven't had either the biology or the insight. You know, we've started with pills of various forms to get at some of these chronic illnesses. Um, but there's way more opportunity. Um, let me just throw out some examples that maybe are a little bit on the high tech side, but. Um, We can today, with modern CT scanners, find out if you're gonna have a heart attack or a stroke probably 10 years in advance for most heart attacks or strokes. We can figure out, wouldn't it be better, instead of waiting to show up at the ER, now that would cut me out of a living, but as an ER doc, but wouldn't it be better to know that I have an early blockage in my coronary artery? And that if I took more statin and maybe exercise, blah, 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 that I would have a high likelihood of preventing a complication. Wouldn't it be interesting? And we can do that. Those scans you could do if you were set up for that and incented for that at fifty bucks. Right? Fifty dollars worth of insurance for ten year protection from heart attack in America, right? That's a big steak dinner for right? I think most people would be able to go spring for that. Um, And, you know, we could set that up. Circulating tumor cells, we're at a stage where pretty soon we're going to know. Tumors typically take, rough order, 15 years of cell doubling before they become clinical. Wouldn't it be fascinating to know if you have circulating tumor cells maybe year three in and take some chemotherapy um, that is targeted? and far less toxic than waiting till you have a cancer, again, at, you know, minuscule costs. So we have all kinds of opportunities with the the digitalization of medicine um, to increase what the quality of what we're doing. And those will be the measures that NCQA will be, you know, measuring in the future, I bet. Dr. Rucker, there's a
0: world of things to ask you. And we're going we're gonna to save it for another time. And hopefully you'll have an opportunity to, to come back and talk to us again. And, and we'll figure out something different to talk about. But um, thank you for your time. Thank you for your work. And thanks for appearing with us on Inside Healthcare.
1: Yeah, no, thanks, David. It's, um, I think these sort of cloud computing times are very exciting for all of us. And uh, appreciate the chance to share it.
0: Recorded live at NCQA's inaugural Health Innovation Summit in November 2022, that was One Up Health Chief Strategy Officer Dr. Don Rucker, a primary source of knowledge on the digitalization of healthcare in the U.S. It's time once again now for our regular Fast Facts segment, throwing you bits of useful info on hot topics of interest. This month, the country observes Birth Defects Prevention Month. And considering that NCQA's HEDIS measures include products focusing on AOD, alcohol or other drug abuse or dependence, we'll take a look now at some fast facts about the potential link between alcohol use and birth defects, namely fetal alcohol syndrome. Some info now from the CDC. Fetal alcohol spectrum disorders are a group of conditions that can occur in a person who was exposed to alcohol before birth. There is no known safe amount of alcohol during pregnancy or when trying to get pregnant. And if, for example, somebody suddenly discovers they're pregnant, the CDC wants you to know it's never too late to stop alcohol use during pregnancy. A person may be diagnosed With any combination of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders, from mild to severe, at any point in childhood or adolescent development, symptoms can include sleep and sucking problems as a baby, vision or hearing problems, problems with the heart, kidneys, or bones, poor coordination, hyperactive behavior, difficulty with attention, poor memory, learning disabilities, speech and language delays, and even shorter-than-average height. Fetal alcohol syndrome may be accompanied by alcohol-related neurodevelopmental disorders or alcohol-related birth defects, or both. Well, as I mentioned before, NCQA has a number of HEDIS measures, as well as webinars and other learning materials regarding alcohol misuse, overuse, and abuse. I'll include some links to the NCQA and the CDC's resources in this episode's description. It's the top of 2023 now, so mark your calendars for these upcoming events. Coming up on May 3rd in Washington, D.C., our NCQA Quality Talks event. One day, one stage, and nonstop speakers covering so many aspects of healthcare quality. Now, seating is always limited, so register now. For more information or to view the speaker presentations from many of the past few years, go to qualitytalks.org. Our Quality Innovation Series features training and learning webinars held over several months. In fact, many of the 2022 online session recordings don't expire, from public view until the end of March, so there's still time to sign up and watch them. Run to education.ncqa.org for more information. And our annual three-day Health Innovation Summit, maybe you've heard of it, begins this year, 2023, on October 23rd, and this time it's going to be in Orlando, Florida. This is the place to connect with quality and care delivery innovators from across the healthcare world, with speakers and panels and training sessions and an exhibit, showcase floor, and you probably guessed it, you can come and visit me at the podcast booth, so don't miss it. As we do on each episode of Inside Healthcare, we ask you for your thoughts on today's show email us at communications at ncqa.org anytime and be sure again to include inside healthcare those words in the subject line and if you're coming up empty for something to say here's our question for this episode how will ehr improvements help enhance the patient's primary care experience well think about it and then tell us about it and if you have a comment a suggestion an idea for a guest on our show Hint, hint, maybe you want to be that guest, hint, hint. Well, just email us and let us know, communications at ncqa.org. Be sure to write the words Inside Healthcare in the subject line, and uh, hope to hear from you soon. And that about wraps up episode 96 of NCQA's Inside Healthcare podcast. Thanks again for joining us. This episode's done, but there are plenty that came before it for you to explore and investigate and share around. So you can find all of them at blog.ncqa.org or find us on any Apple or Google streaming app. Whether you're downloading the show or just streaming it, sitting at your laptop or on your phone, however you get us, if you find us, then follow us. Follow this show. And spread the word, help build our audience by letting others know about NCQA's work. If you haven't done so already, connect with NCQA on LinkedIn and Twitter. You'll find video promos for this show that can be shared with your friends and colleagues. And as always, we thank you, our loyal listener, for helping our audience continue to grow. On behalf of our award-winning NCQA communications team, I'm Dave Smolar, and we'll see you again, no doubt. You've been listening to Inside Healthcare, a podcast brought to you by NCQA, the National Committee for Quality Assurance. Inside Healthcare is available on your computer or mobile device through Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and on our blog at blog.ncqa.org forward slash podcast.